You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 86 for me, please. If you don't, you can do it on a device or you can just you can just listen as Andrew said in the sermon. Cuz this is the word of the Lord. I'm going to read it and we're going to pray, okay? Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great, and you do wondrous things, and you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me, for you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, that you would indeed incline your ear to our prayer. We are indeed a poor and needy people. So be gracious, O Lord, for to you we cry and gladden our souls, we pray. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, we pray that you would come and sit amongst us and that you would open your mouth and teach us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Faith and family. This is, I guess, the beginning of a new series called The Parent Trap. Um, Losing sight of the big picture is... um, our task today. Um, I'm hoping to try to do two things. Um, look at or get a sense of the big picture uh, and what that means or might be. Um, and then um, secondly, I'd, I'd, I'd like to try to speak a little bit about the idea of raising children backwards. Um, and you can walk out the door now if you like. <laughs> that, that's what we're going to try to do. Um, 
Um, <coughs> I'm curious, and I, I'd like to ask this question just real quick. Um, you know, the, the title of the class is The Parent Trap, Losing Sight of the Big Picture. As a parent, just what, what draws you in, given that title? What is it that maybe you thought, well, I, I want to go to this class? For, I mean, you know, for, what, for what reason, given the title? Did, yes, ma'am. operational like day-to-day task things and losing sight of sort of the okay I want you to know these four things when you graduate or leave the house or mm-hmm. whatever okay all right anybody else I had little kids and I think you know outward behaviors like day-to-day just controlling the tantrums or the whining or the whatever um, instead of stepping back and seeing okay anybody good luck desires for my Child that I know or not, you know, like taking him out to baseball practice and hoping that he's the, you know, one of the better ones. Right? <laughs> that's you're, that's the big picture. Steve. Letting my desires uh, that mm-hmm. I know aren't right, but getting caught up in. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. All right. Well, I think you know God is very gracious in the book of um, Thessalonica. He's he's writing to those those people there that he didn't spend a lot of time with, and some of them come to faith, and and uh, he he writes them about about death, and I'm not going to talk about death, but what he says is he says I do not want you to be uninformed, and then he goes into this whole thing about those who fall asleep in the Lord and what happens, but what a what a gracious thing is I you think about that phrase, I don't want you to be uninformed, and so God gives us His word. And he doesn't tell us everything, but what he does tell tell us is so that we wouldn't be uninformed. And that's very gracious, I think, um, if you if you think about that. But let's let's talk about the the big picture for a minute, in terms of just what do we mean when we say the big picture? Um, you can Google it, and um, you know, and and it says it's the complete overarching story or idea. Um, this phrase usually implies that one should think of the future or think of other parallel factors and not focus on the small details. Um, so, um, so it's a complete perspective um, of of you know maybe what you know what God is what God is doing. And so, as we think about the the, the Christian faith. Um, you know, what is the complete and the overarching story, if you will, or picture um, that, that, that God is, is doing? Um, and I want to submit to you just one thing here from the psalm that we read, Psalm 86, verse 8, if you will, if you have it and you're still there. Um, he says, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. That's the big picture. Um, God um, is doing a work that's unlike any other work. And it involves 
the nations, and that by that it's not like the geographic nations, if you will, but it's it's people. It's people from every tongue, every language, every tribe. And and he is doing a work so that they would worship him. Um, for you are great and you do wondrous things. For you alone are God and all the nations shall come and worship before you. Um, and that's his, that's his great work that he's doing in this world in which we live. And when Jesus came into his public ministry in Matthew 4, John in Matthew 3, John the Baptist had, had already begin, begun to preach and proclaim, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus began his public ministry and said the same thing, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what God is 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 doing um, is 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 building a kingdom. Okay, when Jesus came and declared the kingdom of God is near, he 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 came uh, to begin the work of building God's kingdom. And um, you know, at the end of his life, he said to Pontius Pilate before he was crucified, "My kingdom is not of this world." but I'm building a kingdom. And therefore, that implies what? If you're building a kingdom, there has to be what? There has to be a king, obviously. But also, what else? Subjects, yeah, citizens. There has to be people who who make up the kingdom over which this king reigns and over which this king uh, rules. And, And I'm afraid that those of us here in America don't do kingdoms well. We don't come from a background of, of, of kings and queens and, and a kingdom. Um, actually, we, we left that. We fought against that so we could have liberty and freedom. And then here comes Jesus and says, I'm building a kingdom and I want to be your king. Um, and so that's... That's the, the 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 big picture, if you will, briefly. Um, um, and so he is is bringing people into his into his kingdom. Um, and so the th- three things that I think in terms of entering to the kingdom are, are that I want to talk about is just the idea of of reconciliation. Okay, um, because because of the fall, because of sin, we're all estranged from God, um, and we need to be restored back into that um, relationship. And the great work of Christ on the cross um, by his his death and coming was that he would. Um, bring us back to God and he says that in 1 Peter 3.18 for Christ died for sin once for all the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring you back to God um, and Colossians Peter, when Peter writes there he, he uh, excuse me Paul <clears throat> when he writes there he talks about this transition 
because of faith in Christ, where we are brought out of the dominion of darkness and transferred into what? The kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom of light. Um, um, and so, you know, this is this is a the the work, the mighty work that God is doing through the through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His ascension. Um, and then, having come into the kingdom by faith and faith alone, um, as Paul writes again to the Thessalonians um, after he's with them, he says, "I encourage you." to live a life worthy of the kingdom. And so having become his subjects and having entered into his kingdom, he challenged the people or speaks to the people to live a life that is worthy of the kingdom. You know, I appeal to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then uh, finally, in his great work, when it comes to culmination, um, we will be like him when he when he comes back. He takes us to be with him and we will see him as he is because we will be like him. Um, And that's first John three, one, one through three. Um, So. any questions? Any comments? Any pushback on that idea of the kingdom? Anybody? Okay. Well, the question I asked as I thought about that and God's great work and, and, and building a kingdom and bringing people into his kingdom, and we're going to think about children here. If this is the big picture, why is losing sight of this apparent trap? The class is titled, you know, apparent trap, losing sight of the big picture. Why is that a trap? And how is it a trap? I'm just, you know, curious. The ultimate is the dominion of darkness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Also, because the usually the things that get your attention away from the kingdom are not inherently bad things. Having a son that's a good baseball player is a good thing. Having a kid that's a good student that goes to Vanderbilt is a good thing. Um, it can lure you into thinking it's the, the ultimate most important thing. Mm-hmm. Or it could even be. I mean, it, it can be good. I think it could even be bad. You know, like sometimes you get what you want and it ends up like winning the lottery, right? It ends up not being <laughs> what you hoped it would be or leading to other things that aren't good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what your goal is is going to inform your parenting. And so the way that you parent, the things that you build up, the things that you teach and focus on, if it's not, the, if it's not within the big picture, you're just kind of going down a path that's uh, the road to nowhere. Hmm. Okay. 
I think our kids are smart. Like they know what's important to us. Even if we teach the right things and and do the right things on the outside, they know what's important to us, and they see those idols in our lives, and they are. It seems like by nature they they gravitate toward similar idols in their own lives as they grow up. Hmm. Yeah, Julie used to have my wife. Julie used to have. Um, on the refrigerator at home. It's not there. We tore it down finally. <laughs> but it said, it's frightening to think that you mark your children merely by being yourself. Holy mackerel. It's frightening to think that you mark your children merely by being yourself. And I think that's kind of what you're, you're addressing, you know. Um, and that, that, is, that is a sobering um, thought. Um, Okay. Um, don't mean to put you all on the spot back there, Hanel and Lauren, but we had a conversation last night, and I hope it's okay to mention this. Um, at about 7.30 last night, I just kind of hit a panic mode about this class in, in terms of what I was, was thinking. And um, so I reached out to... Tahano and, and I reached out to another gentleman, you know, who, who have children with special needs. Um, I thought of Lauren again this morning in the in the sermon. You know, listen to him. Well, I mean, they have two children that that have listening issues. You, you understand what I'm saying here? So. How does God do a great work in the life of children to whom listening is an issue? Um, you know, I, 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 I watched multiple times um, the uh, memorial service for a guy named Howard Hendricks, who was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary for forever, it seems like. But at his um, memorial service, his oldest son got up. And Howard was, Dr. Hendricks was a very gifted communicator. Very gifted. Um, and, the, and the son stood up and said, you know, I had this dad that was a gifted communicator, but, his son, but God gave him a son who didn't learn by listening. You know, he had to see it, is what he said. Um, but yet, I'm not diminishing the, the fact that, that um, faith comes by hearing. It just, and I just wanted to kind of lay that out because it was very sobering for me to, to know that I'd be here, and yet there might be somebody with unique needs in their children. And, and, and so how does that affect the great work that God is doing? Um, I... Um, I went back and listened to a sermon I heard almost three years ago while I was in Boston visiting my daughter. That's not good. <laughs> I didn't think I grew a tail while I was talking. Anyway, um, and this was a woman who had a son who, and Lauren kind of said this last night while I talked to her, you know, we're all just a day away or a moment away from, from life drastically changing for our children. And for us, because of what might occur, 
Um, this woman had a son who, who suffered a, she was on staff at the church, but she suffered a, he suffered a major head injury playing football and went through multiple surgeries and they didn't think he was going to live. He lived, he was in rehab, recuperating, doing fairly well. And then he fell 13 feet again. And when I was in Boston and she was, uh, she was addressing the congregation, she preached that day. Um, and her son was in the second row. And he doesn't speak. And, um, but yet he, you know, you can hear him on the tape that he, you know, he, he cries out. He, he, I don't know, you could call it a yell, I guess. Um, but, Good golly, how is that God's great work? You know, but this was a son where they went and helped AIDS children in, in Africa and, had dis, dis, and disabled children. And he looked at his dad at one point and said, you know, I wonder if maybe I should be like one of them. Where does that come from? And then all of a sudden he, he finds himself and the family finds themselves there. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that. I'm just saying that there are there are... There, there are great issues um, that um, face us as parents, and they're all different for each and every one of us. Um, you know, and I think of what Andrew preached in the sermon after the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus came down, and he used that phrase, um, "Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief." Well, that was said by the man who Jesus met when he came off the mountain. And what was he doing? He was standing with some of Jesus' disciples and he had a son who was possessed by a demon who would throw himself down and convulsing. And, you know. and Jesus looked down and said, well, how long has he been doing this? And, you know, but Jesus heals this, this, this child. Um, and the man says, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Um, so that's in the context, if you will, of a man who's distressed about his child and what's going on in the life of his child and, and, and what he's dealing with. And again and again, if you read Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and I was struck by this one time when I read through it, how many of the people who came to Jesus came with their children, you know, or brought their children to him. Um, because of near death, you know, demon possession, just whatever the issue might be. Um, so, trust me, there would be parents who would love to be worried about their children. No, I'm not playing on a baseball team. They, they'd love to have that worry, you know. Seriously. Um, but you're right. Those are the kinds of things that pull us away from, from, a, from the, the, greater, the greater work. Um, so, yeah, there is, there's diversion that can be a, you know, a possibility of, of losing sight of the big picture. Um, and... I, 
me think about just I don't know again turn to Psalm 106 if you got a Bible or a device if you want to follow <clears throat> I think in this in this psalm there are a few things good golly um, there are a few things that I think present this idea of losing sight this psalm is about the nation of Israel and God bringing them out of Egypt and their journey through the wilderness this is not unlike our lives here on earth we're in this in-between time where Jesus came and established his kingdom, he's going to return and bring it to fruition. I call that the in-between time, the already, the not yet. We're in the in-between. We're waiting for him to come. We're waiting for him to fully consummate his kingdom. And um, and so it's kind of like this for these people as they wander through the wilderness. God says, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I am going to take you to the promised land. But in the in-between time, in the journey, it is not a pretty picture. It ain't a pretty picture. Um, just quickly, a couple of things. Um, our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. You just, you just don't remember. You don't focus on the great work that God is doing. You lose sight of the big picture. Um Another passage real quick, Psalm 13, uh, verse 13. But soon they forgot his works and they did not wait for his counsel. I think one of the other translations says they did not wait for his plan to unfold. <coughs> Yikes. You know, G- God is doing a work in the hearts and lives of our children. He is unfolding his plan. Um you know, parents, as parents, were fixers. My kid hurts. Um, it's not quite unfolding like I thought it would. Well, I'm going to jump in. Um, you know, can God do his work in our children's hearts and lives apart from us? Yeah. Um, but I think we don't let God's plan unfold. And that's painful. I mean, it's hard to watch your children struggle with whatever they struggle with. That, that's that's not an easy thing. Um, and I get it. Um, 20, verse 20. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Uh, again, just forgetting the big picture, that God is at work um, desiring to draw people to himself. Um, verse 34. I'm going to read 34 and a few other after that. Uh, they did not destroy the people's as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served idols which became a snare to them. This is harsh. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Yikes. Um, uh, 
you know, um, you know, when God calls us into a kingdom, His kingdom, He calls us to be a peculiar people, and that's hard in a in a culture like ours and a culture and things that are going on to be to be a different people. Um, um, So the big picture, the good news at the end of Psalm 106, um, it's there. Trust me. 47, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Uh, I, I missed the verse. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when, they heard, when he heard their cry. For, the sake, for their sake, he remembered his covenant. I'm sorry, I missed a couple of verses. I went back up to 45. But he, he remembered his covenant. That's a big picture. That's a big picture thing. Okay? God remembered his covenant. Um, and then so save us, Lord, that we may give thanks to your name and praise you. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, hmm. All right. So, what else might be a trap? Those were some of the things I kind of gleaned out of Psalm 106. Any other thoughts? Yes, sir. Symbolism of corrupting your children in today's age. Probably the best way to do that is to send them with an iPad. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe so. Absolutely. But thank goodness I'm gonna I'm gonna push back not against iPhones, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just say a kudos for technology, if you will. Again, I'm thinking about the couple that's sitting right behind you with, with two children who who are deaf. And thank God for technology that's invented the cochlear implant. Has that changed their lives? I mean so I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I, I do. I'm not diminishing the fact that, that that there are issues out there that that our children face that that my children didn't face and that we didn't face. Um, so um, you said about fixing, you know, we're fixers. Yeah. And I think we talk a little bit sometimes. Every once in a while, we're like, oh, we need to be more intentional. We need to be more intentional parents. But at the same time, somebody once said, you know, God never wastes pain. Like sometimes. We need to, and they need to kind of sit in that pain, mm-hmm. you know, and we can't fix it, mm-hmm. you know. It brings them to their knees, and that's yeah. where they need to be. Yeah. You know? What is God's plan? Yeah. I, didn't, I need to wait for his plan to unfold. I, <laughs> I had this written in my notes, and now you bring that up, I'm going to share it. When my kids were young, and I was talking to Holly, we homeschooled, and um, God, goodness, my kids, you know, anyway, but they, they're fine. They're fine. Um, I think they are. Um, but we went up to Coleman. There was a private zoo in Coleman. Do you, do you all know about this? Have you ever heard about this? And this lady had lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I mean, she did. But um, and then she had uh, not ostriches, but emus. Is that right? And uh, she had and, and there was a whole part of it where you could go. And, and it was a. Um, a nursery for emu eggs and they were incubating these eggs 
And we walked down this hall, like that hall there, and she went in this room and she came out and she had this egg in her hand. I'm sorry about that. Um, and she went. And she put her finger in there and then she went. And the neck and the head of the bird came out. And it. And she grabbed the beak and went. And the bird went. It's like, holy mackerel. You know. And then she took the egg away. And she took it away. And said, so now we got to let the bird do the rest. Got to fight and work. And because if I, she said, because if I take the bird totally out of the egg, developmentally it will be hindered. It will be hindered. Um, so, yeah, she made sure it was breathing and then took it aside and let it work its way out of its out of its shell. Um, I don't know. Got a little bit of a lesson about fixers. You know, uh, until our ch- children work through their own struggles, and I get it at three and four. I mean, that's a different animal. Um, but as they get older, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, you know, we sit next to each other in church, and I see your children's Bible over there. And yeah. They keep calling Jesus in that Bible the rescuer. Yeah. The rescuer. Yeah. The rescuer's coming. The great rescuer. Yeah. And you know that's it. That makes it. We're we're constantly trying to. We're trying to be the rescuers. Yeah. Uh, huh. We're trying to be the fixers. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a big picture. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I also get so focused on the now and forget that my kids aren't always going to be as they currently are. Mm. And so I feel like I have to change them or make them something and not recognize them when they're 20 years old or 40 years old they're going to be a different person than they are today. And yeah. it's not going to be because I did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I convinced them or whatnot. Yeah. And to trust in the Lord rather than myself. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and laying it before him and saying, you are good, so even in this suffering, even in this pain, you can work good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh no, I'm a bad parent. Yeah. I mean, their story's not over, I think. You know, their story's not done when they're 10. You know, their story's ongoing. I heard a great story from a friend of mine recently. We were all sitting down, kind of sharing faith stories. And he told the story about this friend of his whose father was not a Christian. And he had a real burden for his dad. And this friend of mine was out by himself playing golf one day, all by himself, and he loved to do that. And he could see up ahead that there was this guy out in front of him, and he was kind of bummed because, yeah, I'm going to catch this guy, and this is going to be a drag. I'm going to have to, you know, kind of engage with this guy. What a bummer. Anyway, um, you know, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. That's a Snoopy. That's a Snoopy cartoon. Um, but so he catches this guy, and he starts to talk to him. And it turns out that he is the father of his friend that his friend had a burden for, for his dad to come to faith. And they began to talk and engage. And he said, he, he said, let me ask you, Mr. So-and-so. He says, you know, your son was really burdened by, you know, you, you coming into the kingdom and, and, and having faith. He said, I'm just curious. You know, where the guy was 92 years old when he came to faith. And he was still out playing golf with I don't know how old he was at the time. But to illustrate the story, the story is not over. And the story of your children's life 
and his faith journey may not come to fruition until you're long dead and gone. You know? I, I don't know. Um, hi. So, good golly. Time flies when you're having fun, right? A um, couple of things. Real quick. Second Timothy chapter 3. She wanted Mark's class and she got me instead. Bless her heart. I told her. Second <laughs> um, Timothy chapter 3. We're familiar with this. But you know the thing we miss I think is verses 14 and 15 of Second Timothy chapter 3. Um, Paul's writing um, to Timothy. Uh, and he says this, verse 14, But as for you, continue what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Andrew said it, you know, today, you know, read the scriptures. Um, the word works. Um, but more importantly, here is. He says in Fort, not more importantly, but it's just an interesting side note. From whom you learned it. Do you know who that was in Timothy's case? Any idea? Anybody? Who was it in Timothy's case that taught him the sacred scriptures that made him wise unto salvation? His grandmother and his mother. That's right. If you go back to chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. And when he's talking about the sacred writings here, he's not he's not talking about the New Testament. They didn't, they didn't have the New Testament. That's a, that's a stunning thing. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't, I, I, I didn't come to get to do away with any of the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it. The total, to the last dot, to the last, you know, T's crossed. I've come to fulfill it. Um, so, Scripture plays an important part in the big picture of God's work in the hearts and lives of our children. Um, one. Um, secondly, and obviously, uh, prayer. Um, you know, you go back to Psalm 86, and I'm not going to make my second half of, of this. This is the second time this has happened to me. <laughs> um, but he, te- but he, but he. Um, this is the prayer of David in this psalm. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. 
I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Um, Pray that God would teach your children His ways. Pray that they might walk in His truth. Um, Pray that He would give them an undivided heart. Um, Pray that they would glorify His name forever. And and here's the idea of living like raising your kids backwards. When your kid, excuse me, that's that's just horrible. When your child when when you when they put when they put them in the ground, okay? What is it that you want for your child at that point? What would you want for your child? Eternal life. I mean, yeah. I, I want them to I want them to be in heaven and live with Jesus forever. I mean um, push back a little bit from that. Well, what, what, what kind of a life do I want them to live? Well I, well, I want them to walk with God. I want them to have an undivided heart. I, I, I want them to be a worshiper of God while they live on this earth. Um, well, then what does that take? It, it takes the Lord to teach them His ways. And that's, God provides the means of grace to do that. Through His Word, through His prayer, through prayer, and, th- and through, through this. Through this and the broader community of the church. When we bring our children forward for baptism, part of the commitment we make as a congregation is to help raise children. Is that not right? Is that what we do? Um, and so we need community. We need people um, who, who come alongside, who help teach, who help pray, um, who are interested in raising our children uh, so that they might be subject of God's, subjects of God's kingdom. Does that make sense? Um, so, um, yeah, the big picture... Um, you know, and I, I don't know what the issues that face you in raising your child and the different things. You know, I I hear what you said, but um, open scriptures, pray, and let God do His work. God is doing a great work. That's his. He's committed to that, um, and let him do his work. I need to close. I'm sorry I kept you late. Let me pray real quick. Um, Father, we pray that you would just take um, whatever word that you spoke um, to these folks. I pray that you would plant it in their hearts, and um, I pray that you would continue to do your great and wonderful work. Um, in our own lives, but more importantly today in the hearts and lives of our children um, by bringing them to yourself and letting them walk with you and giving them an undivided heart.
that you might deliver their souls from the depths of Sheol. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.